Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Spectrum podcast. My name is Jason Romano. Great to have you joining us on the program today. Before we get to our interview with Clinton McDonald of the Oakland Raiders and Terry Bortz, the Super Bowl breakfast director, I want to tell you about Football Sunday. FootballSunday.com is the website to go to, and this is a great way for you to engage in the gospel through the NFL on Super Bowl Sunday in your church. It's free. Everything that you need in your church is free. All you got to do is go to FootballSunday.com and sign up. You can use it as a full sermon replacement, or you can use it as a 10-minute, 15-minute, even 5-minute clip to show to your congregation at church on Super Bowl Sunday. And here's what it is. It's interviews with NFL players on their faith in Jesus. It's Case Keenum and his wife, Kimberly. It's Kirk Cousins from the Minnesota Vikings. Case, of course, with the Denver Broncos. And it's Demario Davis of the New Orleans Saints. And the whole thing is hosted by Benjamin Watson, who is the recipient of the Bart Starr Award winner in 2018, as well as being a tight end with the New Orleans Saints. You actually can hear our interview with Benjamin a couple episodes back from last week here on the podcast. And Benjamin hosts it. Drew Brees will also be featured in it. It's really a cool outreach, a great way to invite friends and family to church on Super Bowl Sunday. Our church here in Connecticut does it, Hillside Community Church. And what we do is we encourage everyone to wear their jerseys and root for their favorite NFL teams and then come in, invite someone to come with them. Maybe it's somebody who hasn't been to church in a while or somebody who uh, doesn't go to church at all. And they come and they hear these stories, these very personal stories about faith and football from NFL players on Super Bowl Sunday. And it'd be pretty neat to have the guy hosting it, Benjamin Watson from the Saints, playing in the game that day. We'll have to see how that plays out. But this is what it is, footballsunday.com. Go check it out. It's a great resource for your churches on Super Bowl Sunday, and it's all free. Today on the podcast, we talk to Clinton McDonald. Now, Clinton plays with the Oakland Raiders, and his sort of journey to the NFL was not your typical journey. He was selected in the seventh round, 249th overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals in 2009. He played with the Bengals for two seasons, then came to Seattle 2011 to 2013, and he was a member of that Super Bowl winning Seattle Seahawks team, that Legion of Doom team, Legion of Boom team, I should say, back in 2013 that won it all in New York City, in New Jersey, beating the Denver Broncos and winning the first ever Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl championship. Clinton has a ring for being a part of that team and playing in that game. He then signed with Tampa Bay, where he played four seasons, 2014 to 2017. Signed with Denver for what I would say a cup of coffee in the offseason, and then was picked up and played his 2018 season with the Oakland Raiders. So we talked to Clinton about his faith, about his journey, a little bit of a crazy journey coming to the NFL. And then we talked to Clinton about the Super Bowl breakfast that he was uh, privileged to attend last year in person. And on the back end of this interview, we'll talk to Terry Bortz, who is the Super Bowl breakfast director, which is a really cool event happening at the Super Bowl. If you find yourself in the Atlanta area, this is a thing you want to attend, the Super Bowl breakfast And it's a really awesome way to hear the gospel presented through an NFL-sanctioned 
event. It's awesome. So let's get to our interview with Clinton McDonald of the Oakland Raiders here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Take a listen. Clinton, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. It's good to catch up with you again, Clinton. I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about some football, certainly about faith and some other things happening around the NFL and particularly with the Super Bowl, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But let's start with just the NFL and the craziness that is the NFL. We just saw this past Sunday uh, teams advancing in that wild card round. I know you've been a part of some teams in the playoffs, certainly with the Seahawks and a Super Bowl ring there. That Eagles win over the Bears is just one of those gut-wrenching games if you lose it, and it's one of those great, amazing games if you win it. And there's always got to be a winner and a loser, right? But for you, I wonder, watching that game or even just seeing the highlights and maybe bringing back some memories, what do you think is the craziest game, maybe the finish that you've ever seen or been a part of? Maybe something similar to the the way that Bears-Eagles game ended. Um, I wouldn't say something too much similar to how the Bears-Eagles game ended. I've been a part of a few games that have gone into uh, overtime, been decided when I played for the Seahawks when we played uh, played in Chicago. And, um, of course, Brandon Marshall showed up in an orderly fashion and kind of, you know, turned the tide to where we had to take it in overtime. I would probably say the craziest game or comeback game I was, uh, experienced in the playoffs was when we went to Washington in 2012. And uh, we came back from a 14- to 20-point deficit in halftime, uh, closed the gap, and ended up beating them in halftime, as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In 2013, when I played for the Seahawks, when they played uh, played in um, in Seahawks or in Seattle, and they got up on us at 21 and zero at halftime, and uh, we fought valiantly back to gain the, the the win at halftime, the 20 21 to 22 or 21 to 20, one of the one of the numbers. But um, some of those are some of the games that I've been in, very exciting games, very hard fought games. Um, Basically, is um, the you know the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but he who endures to the end. And in those games, you can really understand the experience, the endurance that it takes to really meet your goal and meet your prize at the end of the day. And I know, of course, if you play long enough, you're going to be on that losing side, like the Bears were as well. And I wonder, just from and you're a man of faith, and we're going to talk about your faith journey in a bit. But I wonder, from Cody Parkey's perspective, or even any of those Bears guys when you're on that other side of losing how hard that is to, to deal and take, take a, to walk away with. I, I thought the interesting thing with Parkey was that, you know, he was still praising God even in the midst of missing that field goal. I don't know if you saw that after he missed it, he actually pointed to the sky, which you don't see a lot of guys do when they lose or when something goes wrong. It's usually just when everything goes right. And then he was in that 50 yard line huddle after the game in that prayer huddle, which is the typical NFL 50-yard line meetup and joining in prayer. Tell me about losing a game like that and being on that side of it. Man, um, I've never been the guy who actually lost the game or per se, you know, like like Cody did. But, you know, that was very – that's very, um, very significant that you pointed that out, that he was still praising after the loss. So I did see the kick, and I've I seen right after he kicked the ball – it bounced off of one ace, hit the bottom of the ace, and, you know, he, he goes through his ritual, pointing his finger up in the air, giving God the glory regardless. You know, that's very important because, you know, ultimately we don't decide our fate so far as if we go to the Super Bowl or not. You know, all these all these things are predestined and preplanned before our, our mere existence even started. 
um, one thing I kind of take took with me this year was, you know, the book has already been written Yeah. in, in the sense of our, our position in life, what we're going to go through, the trials and tribulations, counting it all joy and things of that such, or even even the high times where we have an, an overwhelming uh, moment of excitement so far as if we win the Super Bowl, we win a, a divisional round playoff game. You know, those are all times of overwhelming excitement, but, you know, the ultimate goal for all of us is to seek the kingdom of heaven. And, um, you know, that, that, that display last night when he missed the field goal, he knew it was just a game, even though the game was very impactful for him and his team, for them to fight and, and to claw and to scratch and, and, and play as valiantly as they did the whole season, offense and defense, and as well as special teams. To see them go down, you know, I had kind of hope, high hopes for the Bears to kind of um, go deep into the playoffs, but I also understand what it is to be a champion and how the Philadelphia Eagles didn't want to go down without a fight and Nick Foles in that quarterback position along with that defense and that offensive supporting cast have, have, have been doing a great job since Nick Foles got in that starting quarterback role. Yeah, it's pretty incredible the way the Eagles just <laughs> seem not seem to fight, especially around and rallying around Nick Foles. But I wonder for you, you mentioned, you know, that that you know the book's been written, right? And we know our fate. But when did that kind of start to click for you? You're an athlete. You've been playing in the NFL for a long time. Came in the league in 2009. When did that click for you? Was that something that you've been kind of following along since high school and college, or is that something you had to learn uh, as an NFL player, as a professional? Um, you know, um, I, I was baptized at an early age, around my 10, 9, 10 years old. And um, just like football and just like athletics or being a broadcaster or any endeavor that you take on in life, um, you're only as good as, as what you study for and you're only as good as what you prepare yourself for. So that's no different from being a Christian or a man of faith or uh, athlete. You know, I'm, I'm only as good as what I can tell people that I've studied. Therefore, if I have I don't have access to the things that I study, then my 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 faith keeps on getting pressed up against the wall to become a better man. And I say that because in 2013, you know, you think you say you think you you think you that until somewhat of a tragedy or a hard time comes in your life that kind of presses your 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 mere existence and your faith in the Most High. In the sense of me being released in the preseason last preseason game in Seattle and being brought back week two, my, my whole year was pressed up against my faith in the sense of having to come back and um, being a part of a Super Bowl winning team from 2011 to 2013 and help building that team and not getting sidetracked by what happened so far as me being released in week one football, but also staying focused on who, you know, the Lord, the most high said I can be and things that I can overcome and, who is greater than me than he who was in the world, things of that such has carried me a long way. And um, those principles I keep, keep carrying with me because those are the things that allow me to grow in my faith and my understanding. No different than it is in football for me to keep on watching film, for me to keep on working out hard and running and jumping and being more uh, mindful and knowledgeable about things that are going to help me uh, sustain my career as long as I can. It's the same way in my faith in the sense of, you have to do things that are going to help you sustain, help you grow in faith to help you sustain through this, this, this battle we have on, on earth. I don't think a lot of people understand the NFL lifestyle. For those guys that aren't the quarterbacks with the secured eight-year eight, eight, eight deals and making you know, $20, 30000000 million a year or whatever, 
number you want to throw out there. You know, you're one of those guys that grinded and you worked your tail off to get to where you to where you have been for the last you know decade or so. Explain that a little bit to our listeners about that grind and 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 fighting through. I mean, that's a lot of I don't know obstacles that you have to face. Certainly as a man of faith, but even just as an athlete and guys telling you you're not good enough and sorry, you're just not useful for our team and we can't you know use you anymore that happened this year with you with Denver and you go through the whole summer thinking that you're going to be a a Bronco and then all of a sudden you end up with the other team that the Broncos don't exactly get along with the Raiders and suddenly (laughs) you're playing in Oakland and it's just a lot to take in I think when you're trying to be a professional NFL player tell me about that it's definitely a lot to take in and uh, um, it's always valuable to evaluate yourself and where you are and where you stand and so far as doing your job and doing everything that you can do. Therefore, if things don't happen the way that we won't want them to happen in life, because, you know, things that happen in life that we don't prepare for, we're not ready for, or we didn't see coming. So, the, so some of those things are the reasons why it's, it's very important to, to check yourself, to look back at yourself and look at that man in the mirror and say, am I doing everything that I can? Am I, am I giving my all? Am I, and my focus and my energy in the right direction to give me the outcome that I desire to have. And um, as a man of faith, it, it requires that adamant position of faith and a position of belief to say, you know, if I'm not doing more, I have to be honest with myself and have to do more. If I'm not studying enough, I have to be honest with myself and say I'm not studying enough and get in the playbook and get into the, the film session of, of what the sport requires me. And, and that goes back into the, the word as well. If I'm not studying enough, it'll show and it'll ring out through my life that I, the fact that I'm not studying enough, enough or I'm not showing uh, myself approved or working right, rightfully to, able to divide the word of truth. So, therefore, the study and the, 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 the coherence as far as the NFL or, you know, the, biblically, it goes hand in hand. Some people start out as first-round draft picks, um, great careers, illustrious, long Super Bowls and that such. Some people grind themselves to where they, you know, would like to be in life with with the value of their faith being what propels them to get to that place. And I'm no different than that person that grinds themselves from a ninth round, seventh round, ninth of 2009 draft pick from the seventh round of the Cincinnati Bengals all the way to where life has brought me now, um, regardless of what position where at you are or where you are at in life. It's always an opportunity to make a change and become better in yourself, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. All it takes is you to look in that mirror and to be honest with yourself and sit down and say, okay, well, how do I get to this next place that I'm desiring to go? Clinton, tell me about faith for you as a football player during the season and maybe early on. Let's go back to your time in Cincinnati and even early on in Seattle and some of the ways that you stay grounded spiritually Maybe some role models, some guys that you saw living the, you know, living life in the way that you would want to live it, and were a big impact on you. Take us to those early days in the NFL and what faith looked like for you. Man, those early days in the NFL in Cincinnati, we had a lot of great examples. Um, just in my room alone, as being a defensive lineman, at Domitov Peko, Robert Gathers, um, Tank Johnson, uh, Frosty Rucker. I had a um, one of the guys that came in with me as a rookie, Michael Johnson, has been a brother to me the whole process and our whole career. Um, going outside of the room, you go to Nate Livingston, you go to um, Bobby Williams, you go to Andrew Whitworth, who plays for the Rams now. 
um, those type of guys, Reggie Kelly, who played tight end in this league a long time, those guys who really implemented what it was to be a man of faith playing the sport we play in football and having to deal with some of the things and issues that come up within the sport that have to deal with our faith, even going to Carson Palmer and talking to Carson Palmer and Carson Palmer sharing some of the jewels and knowledge that he learned over his career and how to help finance, how to, you know, keep a track of our money, how not to be somebody's crutch, and how to help people out without harming them so far as a monetary dollar amount make us be concerned. And going from Cincinnati, you go to Seattle where you, where you run into guys like Joseph Red Bryant, Brandon Meebank, who plays for the Chargers now, um, Michael Bennett, you know, who, who might be somewhat controversial, but who's very grounded, Cliff Averill, um, guys like that who are very adamant about who they are, uh, Michael Robb, uh, Marshawn Lynch, guys like that who, who take their work seriously and they take a certain respect and a certain responsibility in the way they approach their jobs each and every day. Russell Okun, who plays for the Chargers. Um, just a lot of guys throughout the journey who actually opened up themselves and shared themselves on what it is to and what it is not to and how to walk and how not to walk and things of that such as a young man growing up into the NFL, you don't always get because a lot of people don't want to share that knowledge and that information. And now you're a veteran. You're that guy, right, in your early 30s who's been around for almost a decade now, and you play that role as a mentor and helping younger players. Tell me about the biggest lesson that you learned in your football career. It could be on the field or spiritually. It could be finances, maybe just discipline. But that big lesson that you know now that you had to learn the hard way during your career coming into the league that you want to share with those young guys now as a veteran. If I can be talking to a young guy right now, that um, the message I would share out of all the messages out there is time is very fleeting. It, it says in a word that we are but a mist. So if you think about a spray bottle, when you put water in that spray bottle and you spray it one time and you see this big cone of water come out and then it fades away, that's our life and that's our momentum in the NFL. So therefore, maximize it in each and every way possible. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, we met at broadcast boot camp, and that was one of the ways I wanted to maximize my opportunity and my time in the NFL by going out and doing something other than just being on the field, working out my craft, but also working out my social craft and my social responsibility and how to present a story and how to present myself and actually how to relay a message. So I would, you know, I would very well carry that message to the younger guys, maximize everything that the NFL has to offer. Because you're giving your time, you're giving your effort, and you're giving somewhat of your spirit and your, your, your energy towards something that's very great. Why not leave with understanding that knowing what the NFL has to offer and what you can offer the NFL by going out there and being a service? And one of the ways the NFL does offer uh, opportunities for players, really, and it's for, any, it's for everybody, is the Super Bowl breakfast that they put on each year. And I know last year in Minneapolis, you were a part of that. You went and, and checked it out. Uh, and the NFL puts this on each year and hand out the, the Bart Starr Award winner, uh, recognizing the player who best exemplifies outstanding character and leadership in the home, on the field, and in the community. I was there as well in Minneapolis. Benjamin Watson won it last year. He was a guest on our podcast last week. And Tell me about that experience attending that breakfast for you. A breakfast, by the way, that, like I said, is open to all fans to attend in Atlanta at the Super Bowl this year. Tell me about your experience at the Super Bowl breakfast. Uh, my experience was very well, uh, very well received. Um, 
had an opportunity to uh, join Mr. Gray at the breakfast and um, just to hear all the former guys who formerly played the game and their experience on, you know, what they learned during the game, what they learned after the game. Um, you know, seeing guys like Tony Dungy, um, Greg Coleman, Chuck Foreman, yeah. Alan Page, Jeff, Jeff Seaman, uh, Doug Sutherland, um, some of those guys, even Bart Starr Jr., you know, that know the, the extent of this award and why it was, you know, formulated and to see Benjamin Watson, um, who any young guy can look up to, any older guy can look up to and say, this, my, this man is completing a 15th year in the NFL and is getting ready to retire because he maximized every opportunity he had. And he, he basically displayed what it was to be a recipient of this reward uh, so far as past recipients, uh, Steve Largent, John Lynch, Aaron Rodgers, um, Urban Fryer, Brent Jones, Renus Williams, um, you know, guys of that caliber yeah. to receive this award and, you know, be a part of, you know, a room with a faith-based individuals to come together and make a big, you know, big event happen so graciously was uh, very well received and I really appreciate it. It's the honor of being there and being, being present. Yeah, I got to be honest with you, Clinton. I walked in there and I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been and I certainly knew that, you know, based upon uh, certain people being a part of it, that there would be some kind of faith element. Well, I got to tell you, Benjamin Watson shared the gospel. And I mean, this is an NFL-sanctioned event where this is uh, allowed, I guess. I don't like saying that word, but you know what I mean when I say that. And for him to share the gospel was really awesome. And I'm sure it'll be the same this year. And so what I want to do is just quickly plug the website superbowlbreakfast.com to purchase a table or tickets and it's open to anyone so if you're in the atlanta area the georgia area and you want to come and see an nfl sanctioned event with lots of great names like clinton mentioned but you're also going to hear the gospel preached and and shared which is really cool go to superbowlbreakfast.com that's the website to purchase tickets and you can even get a table if you want to bring a bunch of people with you superbowlbreakfast.com all right couple last questions here clinton for you first of all from the faith perspective on bible verses i wonder we like to ask our athletes a bible verse that has impacted them or helped them in their journey or maybe it's a verse right now that god has been uh you know speaking to you through what's a bible verse that you can share with our listeners our audience and encourage us um, one Bible verse that really stood out to me and always stands out to me, regardless of the situation, is um, Philippians 1 and 6. And it states, being confident of, of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And um, basically just having an introduction of who, um, who Christ is and knowing that he has a work for you and he'll perform it until the day he comes. So therefore, your work will not be in vain. Regardless of the situation may be, how hard or how, you know, difficult the environment might be, knowing that, you know, somebody has a work for you that has control of a life and life and death. Um, and that that um that person will complete it within you until the day he returns is very valuable for my mind and my spirit uh, aspect because I know that the work is never done and therefore if it's never done then I I'm always striving to do a good job of what I'm called to do in the moment. All right, last question. We'll go to football for this one, Clinton. Uh, can you make predictions? Can you tell us? I mean, we know which teams are left. You know, it's the final four in each conference. And you've faced a few of these teams, specifically in the AFC, with the Chiefs, the Chargers, and, and the Colts, and, of course, the Patriots are the fourth team, and they've been there for 
every year it seems like since probably since you've been in the league they've they've been in that playoff race can you make a prediction we have new england we have new england taking on uh, the chargers and the chiefs and the colts what do you think man you know um i have friends that play for the chiefs even though we lost to them this season yeah. our friends who play for the chargers even though we lost from this season i would like to see the chargers i would like to see, see philip rivers go ahead and uh bring bring a trophy back to la um, being it's a new stadium, a new environment, um, a new fan base that is growing in L.A. for the Chargers. I would like to see that. Um, but, you know, you just can't go on the Foxborough and say, I'm going to hang one up on Tom Brady <laughs> and the Patriots. Yeah. And, um, you know, career-wise and just personal-wise, you have to give props to, to who have been doing it for the longest. And the Patriots have a, a very strong system, a very um, – laser-like focus system to where what they do works best for them. So um, teams that I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see in the playoffs are actually the Colts. And the reason that being is because, um, you know, Andrew Luck has been coming back from the shoulder injury for a while now. And to see him play this year to play against them, I would say um, with that addition to the offensive line they have, they're stronger front, they're bigger front, they don't allow the quarterback to get hit often. Uh, he does a great job, job of um, checking his receivers. If he doesn't have anything, he doesn't waste time in the pocket. He gets upfield, gets what he can. Uh, he's playing at a championship level right now. And it's uh, very impressive to see for him to come back from the injury that he had to go out and show everybody that, hey, I just need a little time off, but I'm okay now. <laughs> so I'm very excited to see the, uh, the, the Colts in it. Very excited to see the defending champs still hanging in there. The way they play is very inspiring. They play valiant football. They play together. So I'm excited to see those two teams the further their race. Man, I hope the Chargers win just, just for, for Brandon Meebang and Russell Oakland's sake. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, that's what I'm rooting for. That's okay. what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the Chargers. Okay. Well, what about, I know you said the defending champs in Philadelphia, but the NFC, how about this question to end it? And we'll put your broadcast boot camp hat on. How's that? Which team <laughs> has the better chance of winning on the road in hostile environments. So you have Philadelphia going to New Orleans to face the Saints, and we know about that Saints home field advantage. It's no joke. And then Dallas going out to where you played this year in California, going out to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. What do you think, Dallas or Philly? Which team has a better chance on pulling off an upset? Man, that's a tough one, but I'm going to go with Philly. Okay. Um, They have the experience. They got the guys that did it last year, so they, they understand what a big game environment is. You know, um, Dallas is a good team, very exciting. They came on strong defensively in the, um, in the later part of the season, getting the addition of offense um, and wide receiver. They have a good chance, but one thing that scares me about this Rams team is the coherentness of the special teams, offense, and defense. And we all know who's on that defensive line, uh, starting with Aaron Donald um, being, the, being the head honcho for the most part at three techniques, disrupting things. But they also have a strong secondary. They have a strong uh, middle, middle field defense in the linebackers. Their defense or their offense scores at will, though. So if this becomes a high-scoring game, I see it very difficult for the Cowboys to really stick it to them. They have a great chance to go in there because of their defense and because of the excitement and momentum that they're playing with now. But the Rams, I think they'll be ready to play. Okay. He is Clinton McDonald. Maybe we'll see him doing some analyst work in a couple of years, certainly putting that broadcast boot camp hat on. But right now he's playing in the NFL, spent 2018 with the Oakland Raiders. Clinton, we appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys.
very much. Good stuff there from Clinton McDonald of the Oakland Raiders. Thanks to him for joining us on the Sports Spectrum podcast. And now we bring you another interview, a five-minute conversation or so that we got to have with the Super Bowl breakfast director, Terry Bortz. Of course, the Super Bowl breakfast, a staple of Super Bowl week, and it's held the Saturday before Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta this year. And it's open to everybody. Anybody can go, just have to purchase tickets. And it's a pretty cool event over at the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta, Saturday, February 2nd at 8 a.m. Here's our interview with Terry Bortz to learn more about the Super Bowl breakfast. Take a listen. Terry is the director of the Super Bowl breakfast that you heard Clinton and myself referring to and talking about previously in the podcast here. We welcome Terry to the show. Welcome, Terry. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk to you. I thought it'd be good to have you on to kind of tell us a little more about the Super Bowl breakfast and how fans and and different people can be a part of the breakfast. It's not a private event in the sense of it's not open to the public. Everybody can kind of be a part of this. But let's start with what the event is. And I know it honors the Bart Starr Award winner, and it goes even a little further than that. But tell us about what the Super Bowl breakfast is. Okay, so this will be our 32nd year to host the Super Bowl breakfast in the uh, Super Bowl city. So we're excited to be back in Atlanta we usually have a sellout crowd of between 15 and 1800 executives at the breakfast to hear stories from their heroes that they see on TV every week. And they'll hear stories at the Super Bowl breakfast that they won't hear anywhere else. You know, we've had really heartwarming stories, really funny stories. Uh, we start out with lots of highlights on the big screen and, you know, you know, guys crashing into each other. And then we go into the interviews and the fun stories from the past season. That all leads into the presentation of the Bart Starr Award, which is an award given for outstanding character, integrity, and leadership on and off the field. And when we decided to do an award back in 1989, we asked Bart if we could name the award after him because he's such a man of impeccable character. He said he would be honored. And he and his wife, Cherry, were at every single breakfast from 1989 until 2014 to personally present the award. And he was very involved in the whole selection process. He loves what these guys stand for because they are men of character who are giving back to their community and really being leaders on their team. And unfortunately, in 2014, Bart had a stroke and then he wasn't able to come. So we had a problem. We had the Bart Starr Award and no Bart Starr. And so we looked around the league again and said, who could stand in for Bart Starr? And it was Tony Dungy. Mm. And Tony has been doing that since uh, since 2015. And he's scheduled to be there again in, in, this year in Atlanta. So he presents the award along with Bart's son, Bart Starr Jr., And so that's always a highlight of the event because the award is voted on by all the players in the NFL. And so you're really being voted on by your peers who know you the best. Yeah, that's the unique thing about this award. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know Peyton Manning and Derek Brooks, guys like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees have been past winners. I was privileged to go to the event last year in Minneapolis uh, when Benjamin Watson was the winner. And it was a great event. And it is a breakfast in the morning, but it's also a celebration of the season. And really, like you said, hearing impactful and inspiring stories that aren't told too many other places, and you have to be there to really hear those stories. Can you share who the Bart Starr Award winner will be this year in 2019 that'll be at the breakfast? I can, and you're going to be one of the first to know. Um, (laughs) 
though the players all vote in mid-December when they vote on the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Those are the only two awards voted on by all the players. And um, so the winner is Calais Campbell from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And um, so he will be there to accept the award on February 2nd at the Atlanta Marriott. And we're really excited. His foundation does amazing things to give back to the community. And he may not be the biggest name in the NFL, but boy, is he having a huge impact. Oh, he's a huge teddy bear, too. I've met Calais and got to work with him during my time at ESPN. And he he's, like you said, made a gigantic impact. And he's a pretty good football player, too. So that's a pretty awesome choice. Now, tell us, Terry, about uh, people wanting to get involved and wanting to be a part of the breakfast because everyone is welcome to attend. So how does that take place? Right. It is definitely open to the public. We sell individual tickets or tables of 10. So tables of 10 would either be 2,500 or 2,000 individual tickets, of course, 250 or 200. The easiest way to purchase tickets is online at superbowlbreakfast.com. And, um, you know, we encourage people because tables aren't assigned on a first come first serve basis. So we encourage people not to wait if they think they want to attend. A lot of times people last to the wait, wait to the last minute and then they wonder why they're sitting in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. Now this year, the breakfast is going to feature, like you said, Tony Dungy uh, scheduled to be there. Are there other names uh, that'll be a part of this and certainly who's hosting? I know last year, I think it was Akbar Baja Biamillo was the, the host of it and he was great. Really funny guy. How about this year? I don't think Akbar had just barely left the stage last year when we asked him to do it again this year because we loved him so much. And mm. so he is the MC again. And um, as you know, he is an extremely funny person. If people don't know about him, they need to check out American Ninja Warrior. Um, he just has a huge, he was a huge guy, but he's got a huge personality and, yeah. and sense humor. So we're thrilled to have him back. We also have coach Dan Reeves who coached the Falcons for years. Um, very well loved in that community and, and a great coach. So Tony will actually be interviewing Dan. We have a couple of surprises up our sleeves for him. Nice. And then Anthony Munoz, um, you know, for the pro football hall of fame will be there. Now, as the playoffs uh, take place in the next week or two, um, we have our wish list of people, and unfortunately, as they're eliminated, um, that we would like to have on the program. And so um, we will be announcing in the next week or two some pretty big names for the program. That's great. I know just for an example, last year, uh, certainly everybody in Minnesota was hoping that the Vikings would go to the Super Bowl and they didn't make it. The Eagles were the team that made it. But in them losing, it actually allowed you guys to have Case Keenum come and be a part of the breakfast last year. And I remember Case was up there sharing his testimony and his story and how uh, his faith has impacted his life. And it was really a neat thing to see that. So Terry's not lying when I tell you folks listening that there's going to be some pretty big names that are going to be reached out and it'll be fun to watch who, who, who will be there at this event. Terry, the, the website again, so people can go and check it out. And if they want to be a part of it, what is it again? The website is superbowlbreakfast.com. SuperBowlBreakfast.com. It should be a great event honoring Calais Campbell and so many others that will be there. Thanks again, Terry Bortz, for being a part of this, the Super Bowl Breakfast Director. And uh, hopefully we'll see each other in person over in Atlanta in a couple weeks. Thanks again. Sounds great. Thank you. And thanks to Terry Bortz, who is the director of the Super Bowl Breakfast at Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia this year. And also thanks to Oakland Raider Clinton McDonald for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. We also thank you for listening. You can find us on social media, of course, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at sports underscore spectrum. 
Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to this podcast, of course, everywhere podcasts are found. Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Apple iTunes. You can email me directly, jason at sportspectrum.com, jason at sportspectrum.com with any guest ideas or any thoughts you have on this podcast or any content regarding Sports Spectrum, whether it's our magazine, our website, videos on our YouTube channel, or like I said, this podcast. So any ideas or thoughts you have, please email them to me, jason at sportspectrum.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time on Sports Spectrum. Sports Spectrum.